Becky is the mother of four daughters and grandmother of two. She loves to form praying and discerning communities among like-missioned and like-minded ministry leaders at St. Joseph's Parish in Ponchatoula, where she has been in full-time ministry since 2005. So I invite you to make yourself at home before the Blessed Sacrament while we listen to this uh, exhortation on prayer from Becky. Good morning, if I haven't told you already. Um, I'm so grateful to be here and to share a little bit um, with you. And I want to first, before I even begin, just consecrate our time together, uh, especially through the mystery of the presentation. Um, I love that mystery so much because it can be, it is both a joyful mystery and it is also one of the seven sorrows of Mary. And it's the mystery where I find how beautiful it is that joy can coexist with suffering in the heart of Our Lady. And so I just consecrate our time to you, Our Lady, and to the heart of Jesus through your intercession that you might grant us that deep and abiding place, uh, no matter where we are on the spectrum of joy or sorrow, to have your heart and to offer ourselves in intercession for all that your Son desires. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I hope my veil won't be a distraction to you. It may end up on the floor because I get a little animated sometimes when I talk, but I got to tell you a little bit about how I came to, uh, to take up the devotion of wearing a veil. I was living in um, Alpine, Texas uh, in a missionary position of youth ministry when 9-11 happened. And Alpine, Texas is right on the border of Mexico. So I was very much afraid and um, right before we left, my little daughter, four years old, had asked, she had seen some of the ladies, I'm originally from Lafayette, who wore veils at the cathedral where we go to daily mass, and she was like, I, I want one of those. So I'd given her one for Christmas, and it lasted a couple of weeks, and then she kind of tossed it aside. But then when 9-11 happened, there, I just felt this desire to like, just like you get under the covers when you're scared, I just wanted to put something over my head because we were there when it happened and there was no knowing for, you know, like where they were going to come in next or what was going to happen. And so I just, I took her little bitty veil and I started like wearing it. Um, and it was, it was kind of like, it was, it became my prayer of asking the Lord for covering and for protection for my family as we lived there. Um, and we had just arrived really when it, when it happened, not more than a, a year. Um, and we were there for five years. So, um, so yeah, I came by that, the way of that, and I was getting ready to come back to Ponchatoula, to St. Joseph's. I'm originally from St. Martinville, but then I'm, I've been in St. Joseph's since 2005. And I was, I was praying about moving back and whether it was helpful or not for me to enter into the position of youth ministry wearing the veil when I spoke to young people, whether they would understand the culture being different. I don't know, Hispanic people, some of them wore them there. I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament. I was just like, Lord, what do, you, what do you desire? I really love it. I've grown to love this, but I don't have to have it. What is your desire for me? I still had my little baby's like little bitty veil, right? And this Hispanic woman came up to me with this veil in her hand. She had no idea what I was praying about. And she said, this belongs to my great aunt and I don't wear a veil. I thought you might like to have it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so this is my prayer for covering. If it comes off, you know, I mean, it's, it's the spiritual reality, right? Um, but I'm, I wanted to share with you too, um, I didn't mean to overwhelm you by the resources that I've given you. 
Uh, I feel like the Lord leads me to speak this way, um, specifically because um, the content that I share, a lot of it is just from my treasure box of my own formation. It's just connecting the dots between lots of beautiful works that I've been able to receive and being able to share those with you in written form, whether I get to speak about them or not, if something like really moves your heart, you'll have it, right? And, and if it can be helpful to you at all, right? No pressure. Um, my favorite way of teaching, my favorite philosophy of teaching is Montessori. I don't believe that teaching is about filling empty vessels, but cultivating what is the beauty within each person. So a lot of what I'm gonna share with you, I really believe is already very much in your own heart. And I hope that it awakens and encourages you as I do share it. Um, the way that I came by this formation for intercessory prayer is that um, in my time of youth ministry at St. Joseph, um, we were doing life teen. We had a lot of, um, a lot of uh, retreats that I would ask intercessors to come in and pray for, but I had never been on an intercessory team, right? right? I, didn't, I, I love to pray, but... Um, and so um, I was sent off to study Theology of the Body with the Theology of the Body Institute, and I needed a praying, and a praying community that could support my studies, so I started to, to um, be in communion with Dumox Ministries, and, uh, and when they began ECHO, which is a, a Theology of the Body immersion camp for teens and young adults, uh, Brian asked me if I would, Brian Butler, who started ECHO in Demox Ministries, he said, would you come and be a part of the week? And I'm like, yes, Theology of the Body, awesome, I'm like, yes. So I show up and he says, well, I said, so what do you need me to do? He said, well, I thought you'd be the intercessory prayer team. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I said, I don't, I, I don't, I've never done that before. I've asked people to come and intercede in my parish, but I don't even know what that looks like. He says, well, maybe we ought to find a couple other people to help you. I'm like, yeah, I think so. Um, and, and literally, the people that, that came in with me to do this, this first intercessory team for ECHO, they had no real uh, formation in it either. So we kind of just stood before the tabernacle and we were like, oh, hello, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> whatever you want, right? And, but what I found was so beautiful is that I was reading some material for my own prayer and inner healing at the time, and I kind of, I have to, I have to like be honest with you. I was like a little like, okay, I came here to help with the, like the theology of the body, but like I'm going to be in, you know, stuck in the chapel like the whole time. What is that, you know, Lord? And, uh, but little did I know it was the best seat in the house. And I will say that over and over again, because as I was reading and as I was praying with the things that were very, very much like a part of my own healing, a part of my own growth, as I would step out into the camp and go amongst the, the people who were doing the ministry outside, the things that I had been praying with were happening. And the Lord was teaching me and beginning to form me in this ministry of intercession. So a lot of this that, I ha that I'm sharing with you comes from just years following of him just continuing to form me in the way of being um, a part of intercession through my own parish, uh, in my family, well, primarily my family life, right, and my own parish, and with the work of Demox Ministries and sometimes in the, in the diocese in other ways. So um, I'm just going to begin. I thought that we would, we would do three things. The first, I wanted to talk about the importance of the unique and unrepeatable prayer of the human heart, of every human heart, um, and then go into um, the importance of our prayer collectively as intercessors, and, uh, and then end with the importance of like lifting up the name of Jesus 
in our prayer of intercession. And um, yeah, so I'll just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll begin there. Um, the importance of the unique and unrepeatable prayer of the human heart. And I'm taking this content from Theology of the Body uh, by John Paul II, um, writings of Father Tomas Philippe, who's a Dominican friar. Um, he, it's from a transcript of his writings translated into English called Theology of the Heart. It's not yet published, but I was given it as part of my formation. And I mean, the scriptures that we use, you can go back to and meditate on from this. Um, and then on the, um, the preface to abandonment to divine providence, Sometimes I put page numbers, but most often I don't list what I've taken from because they're shorter resources. If you go looking for them, I'm hoping you'll go on a scavenger hunt and read the whole thing because they're very short and good, very good. So um, here we are. So you and I are unique and unrepeatable, right? We're entrusted with bearing forth the heart of our Father, a word spoken into existence to receive and to give his love in a way that no one has ever or will ever in the history of humanity. Heart consciousness proposed by the writings of Father Tomas Philippe is another term for what we know as the dignity of each one of us. As we were created in our mother's womb before our intellect was formed and we were able to exercise our will, we have known and been known by God in the unique and unrepeatable love with which he has created us. Our hearts are what develop first in the womb. It is the place of greatest intimacy with the Lord, a place of regeneration and the source of his living waters. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep our hearts with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And Jesus promises to us in John 7.38, he who believes in me, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And this from the preface to Abandonment to Divine Providence by Father David Vincent McConey. Each of us receives a share in divine light, and in each, Jesus Christ is different, yet all the same in himself. The gift of each of us is the life of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel applied to each human life. In this way, God pieces together the church, not made of stones, but of living saints, continuing his son's life on earth by adding more members to his mystical body. We are not called to over-spiritualize our lives, but rather invited to surrender all of our lives, our families, our work, our recreation, the mundane, the daily activities, our present moment to him continually. And I'll add to that our weaknesses and our sins, right? Continually offering them to him. We, as God's children, have only to love him without ceasing to fulfill our duties as his children. And this is prayer. Intercession is rooted in God's desire for a heart open to receive his love in the unique and unrepeatable way that he has fashioned that heart to receive and give his love to the world, which, when received, ripples out, creating a fruitful environment for recognizing the kingdom of God amongst us. And through that, his power is manifest and we begin to see the signs of the kingdom of God. Primarily in the heart of God, we were not created for salvation. We were created for relationship. The gift of our salvation is his tireless pursuit 
of the relationship for which we were created. His primary reason for creating us was his desire to become one with us, to share in our humanity so that we might share in his divinity as sons and daughters, freely. Freely, and that's the key word there, freely, right? And when we freely chose not to participate in that invitation, he allowed our fall to penetrate the inner mysteries of the divine trinity and win for us a greater revelation of his love. And we can see this in the body of Jesus, heart pierced, life flowing out for the world. Right? So beautiful. Relationship with him is our highest form of prayer, most intimately through his Eucharistic heart. And then this binds us in relationship for one another, with one another, right? And so I'm gonna turn the page on to the importance of our intercession collectively. If we focus on the power of intercessory prayer, we, and this is from Sherry Waddell, um, a book, uh, Becoming a Parish of Intentional Disciples. And this is, um, some of its paraphrase, some of its direct quotes, and then I'm gonna talk about a little bit of a blog called The Asking Prayer. So here we are, this is Sherry. If we focus on the power of intercessory prayer, we inevitably come face to face with this dilemma. History, the world and our own, is filled with unanswered prayers, or at least prayers that have not been answered in the way we hoped they would. People's hearts are still turned against God, family members still fall ill and sometimes never recover, despite our fervent prayers. Intercessory prayer rests on the confluence of the mystery of God's mercy and the mystery of suffering. In reality, intercessory prayer is not a magic formula or a silver bullet. It's not like pulling the slot machine and getting three cherries and lining up, you know, get the jackpot. Prayer does not change God. He is unchangeable. On the other hand, if God is indeed unchangeable, then aren't intercessory prayers just a waste of time? Our way of our way, and this is quite a dilemma, I think, in the heart of many intercessors as we make our way through how to pray. Our way through it lies in the exploration of the nature of God and the understanding of causality. And she goes into some thought from Thomas Aquinas, which is really, she breaks it open very easily. She says, you know, for Thomas Aquinas, God, the primary cause of all creation, is the source of our existence. God created all living creatures and set them within the boundaries of his creation. Rather than simply setting everything in motion and then withdrawing, like from a distance, to watch, uh, God chose to work through us, through his creation, from the abundance of his goodness, imparting to us as creatures the dignity of pausing. We, therefore, are the secondary cause through whom God works to fulfill his plan. In this sense, our prayers of intercession are always already a response to what God is doing. When we are moved to pray for others, we are co cooperating with his will. Rachel Erdman, a theologian, summarizes this beautifully. I think the problem people have understanding prayer is that we tend to think of God as responding to our request, when in reality it is only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we're able to pray in the first place. It is God, always active in creation, who initiates the prayer in us. It's we who are responding to him. Intercessory prayer, then, is initiated by the Holy Spirit that we might dispose ourselves to the divine will and earnestly pray for its manifest manifestation here on earth. We find this concept articulated in the papal encyclical, The Joy of the Gospel. The great men and women of God, 
and this is from the joy of the gospel. The great men and women of God were great intercessors. Intercession is like a leaven in the heart of the Trinity. It is a way of penetrating the Father's heart. I love that. Penetrating the Father's heart and discovering new dimensions which can shed light on concrete situations and change them. We can say that God's heart is touched by our intercession, yet in reality, he is always there first. What our intercession achieves is that his power, his creative love, and his faithfulness are shown ever more clearly in the midst of his people. Seen this way, fruitfulness and effectiveness of our prayers does not rely on personal effort, reciting the right words, but in penetrating the Father's heart, aligning our will and desires with his divine and perfect will. This understanding sheds light on what Jesus promises, whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. To ask something in the name of Jesus is not to throw a magic power or formula by saying his name as we tag it on to an intention. To pray in the name of Jesus is to ask for what Jesus would ask for, not an abstract, like, what would Jesus do type of way, but actually to listen with an open heart, to go to him and to ask, what is it that I, sh how should I pray? This is a pattern in the life of mature intercessors. They do not so much come to God with their list of needs, but rather dispose themselves to the Holy Spirit, that he leads them in what they should pray for. And I love, this is from uh, the next part, if you're following along, is from a, um, a little blog called The Asking Prayer. It, it kind of says the same thing, but in a beautiful, a little, little bit of a different um, perspective. Don't think of intercessory prayer as trying to change God's mind or to manipulate him into doing our will. Behind our practice of asking, seeking, and knocking, there is a theology of white, what might be called shared governance. God has designed creation in such a way that he wishes to have us participate in his governance of history's unfolding. How exciting is that? Man is a priest of nature and of grace whom God has fixed like a hinge between heaven and earth. God is a God of synergy, of collaboration, not a unilateralist, and he anoints us, small, small p priest, to the end, right? We were all baptized, priest, prophet, and king. That's what the incarnation proves. Jesus, the great high priest, has two wills, human and divine, that operate in conjunction. This is an astounding thing. Here, once God became man, God does absolutely nothing apart from him. Jesus is God's way of dealing with creation, and in him, the recreation of creation happens only in cooperation with man. The new creation only comes about with human participation, united in Christ as his body. Prayer is the most direct and intimate way we participate in God's recreative, redeeming work. St. Thomas Aquinas says that we ask, seek, and knock, not to change the divine dis disposition, but to bring about what God has disposed to be achieved only by the means of prayer. Because God is love, love is freedom, and there is an infinite space in him for our freedom to join in the unfolding of his eternal dance. One little, um, one little piece that really this kind of came home to me very deeply, and I, I hope maybe it might be helpful to you as well, was I was listening to a theology body speaker from Canada uh, at one of our echo camps, and he was saying 
Um, you know, and we, we had these readings, right, of creation um, that this week, actually. But um, when God created, like, he, there was the darkness, right? And then he filled it, right, with the, the greater light and the lesser light. He created the sky, and he filled it, like, with the clouds and atmosphere and all these things. He created the waters, and he filled the, the fish and all these creatures, sea creatures, he created the land, and he filled it with animals. When he created man, he rested the next day. Did our, like, incredible, omnipotent, all-powerful God need a nap? No. He had created what he desired to rest in. And that is what Sabbath rest is, that he rest in us. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my goodness, so beautiful, this, this idea that the Lord really desires that, he, that we, would, we would just let him rest in us, we rest in him, and this brings the kingdom. And so I want to end um, with the importance of praise and lifting up the name of Jesus in prayer. I am not a worship leader. I do not sing in the choir. And, um, but I really sense the Lord asking um, for us to close on this. I have two small little repetitive um, songs, verses that we could sing together to end. Um, one of them lifting up the name of Jesus and then just a prayer of surrender. Uh, if you know it, please sing along. And if not, be free for whatever you'd like to receive it. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Manuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer. Living word, heart, my mind, my body, my soul, I give to you. Take control, I give you my body, a living sacrifice oh lord take control take control in the name of the father and the son and the holy Spirit. at this time i'm going to welcome up a student to share a little bit about the prayer apostolates happening amongst our students right now after she finishes speaking we'll have a period of silence in which you're, please, welcome to lavish praises on our Eucharistic Lord. There's also the confession being heard over there by the confession. So I'd like to welcome up Catherine Byer. Good morning. My name is Catherine. I am one of the co-leaders for the prayer team, which is one of our ministry teams at Christ the King. Um, so thank you so much for being here today because we are basically the student arm of exactly what you're doing. And this is so, so necessary for our ministry here. So thank you so much for coming. 
uh, we meet once a week and we pray and we lift up intentions for Christ the King and LSU. Um, so we get together and we offer it through the intercession of Our Lady and we begin by just praising and thanking the Lord for what he has given us, verbally saying out loud in prayer, like, thank you for this specific thing. Um, and then we just open up our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit and receive whatever intentions Jesus would be praying for. Um, and we offer that up back to him. And so a few of the things that we've been praying with recently, I thought y'all might want to know about our priests, especially with what's going on in the church right now, but um, particularly for Father Andrew. We pray for him, I think, every meeting. Uh, he needs these graces. He is such a wonderful servant to us, and he needs the support to be close to Christ. Um, we pray a lot for the marginalized, because that's something at Christ the King that can really be a problem. People feeling as though they aren't a part of things or not being a part of things. Um, and it's super important that we have a welcoming spirit. So we pray for our missionaries and for our hospitality team and our outreach team that when they love people, these people will know that they are being loved. We pray a lot for evangelization um, and just like for a deeper, a deeper base of love in that, um, both from the people who are evangelizing and those who are being evangelized that there will just be this communion of love, um, the place from which our faith comes. And the, the overarching theme of all of our prayers for the past semester or so have been that God will draw us close. You know, I think that that is really his deepest desire is just to be close to us. I and mean, then through all of this, he's asking us to pray for very specific obstacles to be removed so that he can be close to us and we can like, let him in. And that is really a deep desire of his heart. It comes up all the time. Um, and one of the really beautiful things about the members of our prayer team is that we have a very clear focus, even though we don't always say this explicitly, um, that our purpose in interceding is salvation of souls and relationship with the Lord. And it's just really wonderful that we have that clarity. Um, but some of the things that my prayer team co-leader and our staff liaison, Abba, wanted me to share is that it's a privilege that we get to pray. Um, and so thank you for joining in that privilege because it really is, it's so special. And the fruit that the Lord brings from that is his joy and his peace. Even though it's really just him bringing us closer, we're not really doing anything, but still he rewards us for it because he's so good. <laughs> Um, and just lastly, one thing our staff liaison said that I thought was wonderful. He said, it's amazing that we can stay in one place and change lives anywhere in the world. And that is like one of the special graces of prayer, that the Lord is all powerful and all present. And here we are, our little selves, but he still works through us. So thank you so much for being here today. We'll have silent adoration until 1140, at which point we will repose the blessed sacrament and Mass will commence shortly thereafter. Thank you for coming. <laughs>